Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 27th ever show of All Around Sports. We're each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. Well, as always, it was another wild week in sports during one of the best weeks of the year. As, and as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week's news. My highlight of the week is the return of, the, of Detroit to the top of the sports mountain, highlighted by Monday's Tigers postseason game ending as the Lions' first Monday night football game in years was beginning. It brought back some good memories. I attended a game at Ford Field in Detroit during the 0-16 season, courtesy of the Lions PR department, and also attended the Steelers Super Bowl victory there over Seattle in 2005. So it was great to see the good times are rolling again in Motown, and uh, can't wait for that Thanksgiving Day matchup with the Packers. Could be the most meaningful Thanksgiving Day game in Detroit in many, many decades. This week's low light is the end of the road for South Carolina quarterback Steven Garcia, who after countless suspensions was finally thrown off the team this week by coach Steve Spurrier. Garcia basically holds every school record for passing and, and offense, so it will be interesting to see if the Gamecocks soar or sink during this promising season. And my bizarre sports story of the week is... Uh, a Boston Globe story that traces the demise of the Red Sox that would come out uh, this week. It was entitled Inside the Claps. And trust me when I tell you, you can't make this stuff up. It's uh, what a mess in Red Sox Nation, to put it mildly. The article was done by a writer named Bob Holer, longtime Globe staffer, who... Uh, who really, really uh, 
revealed some new information and detailed the demise uh, that started in late August and, of course, created the resulted in the largest collapse in the history of baseball in the month of September. And uh, it's according to the writer, it basically <clears throat> he traces the Red Sox demise to uh, a player revolt against rescheduling games uh, in advance of Hurricane Gloria. Uh, apparently the Red Sox were coming back from, I believe, a series in Texas, got back, uh, on a Friday morning at, uh, 4 or 5 a.m. There was some talk about scheduling a doubleheader that Friday. The players revolted. It was rescheduled for Saturday, which was the day before Hurricane Gloria hit the Northeast. Um, the Red Sox actually won. That doubleheader, they swept, I believe, the Oakland A's, and that was the last time all year that they won two games in a row. And apparently, uh, you know, the players revolt. I can only believe that there had to be lingering feelings. I mean, the players got what they wanted. There was no doubleheader Friday. Uh, it was Saturday indeed. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so there, maybe there were some lingering effects. Uh, management apparently were concerned about these effects, so uh, what did they do? Apparently they gave them $300 headphones, each player, and then threw a party on John Henry, owner John Henry's yacht, and uh, I've seen John Henry's yacht, and trust me, it is uh, quite a vessel, and one you could certainly throw a great party on. So, obviously, that didn't work. And then the story just really gets into some very lurid and juicy details. Uh, it names Josh Beckett, John Lackey, and John Lester as the ringleaders, uh, led by Beckett, uh, in drinking beer, ordering in fried chicken, and playing video games, drawing games in which they were not pitching. Um... The article also touches on uh, since no, no longer manager Terry Francona talks about uh, marital issues as well as painkillers. Those two subjects were cited in the article, uh, and Francona vehemently denied they had any effect whatsoever on uh, the claps. And then uh, there was a story about... Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, who basically had an MVP season and probably the greatest uh, greatest leadoff season of any player in Red Sox history. Apparently, going back to two years ago, 2010, when he was injured and he played in a handful of games, there was some lingering resentment that carried over apparently into this year, where Ellsbury... Apparently, did not have much of a relationship inside the clubhouse, again, according to the article. Uh, again, doesn't even make sense because he, of all people, you know, had the best year probably of any Red Sox player. So, just a crazy, crazy story. Um, you know, it's, it's ironic in so many ways. Uh, you know, I couldn't help but think of Manny Ramirez. Uh, here they won two titles with Manny when he and, the, to a degree, the team were considered dysfunctional. 
yet all this happens after Manny leaves. Uh, trust me when I tell you, the belief around Red Sox Nation would, would have certainly been get you know get rid of Manny, which they did, and life was going to become peaceful. And obviously, the exact opposite occurred. So, um, another irony that has to do with this is, uh, you know, this is this 25-year silver anniversary of the 1985 Patriots team that got slaughtered by the Bears 46-10 to in the Super Bowl back in uh, 1985. And... Uh, they awoke the next morning to a story, uh, again, in the Boston Globe, detailing drug use by the team, which was basically the beginning of the end for that squad. It basically took seven or eight years till they finally recovered, and that's when they hired uh, Bill Parcells. The team was sold to Robert Kraft. Parcells drafted Drew Bledsoe, and we all know the rest of that story. And this feels very similar to that, um, you know, it's just, where do you start to fix this team? It just seems like uh, there's the old guard of, you know, Tim Wakefield, David Ortiz, Jason Veritek. Where do they fit in, if at all? Uh, you know, the carryovers from the 04 and 07 World Champion teams. And then there's, you know, the new guard, the high-priced free agents with long-term contracts, specifically John Lackey. Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford. And then there's the young players who are really their best players, and by that specifically, Dustin Pedroia and Jacoby Ellsbury. So, you know, again, it seems to me they would ha they simply must hire a disciplinary manager, uh, a disciplinarian, big time, a la... Kirk Gibson, a la Dick Williams back in 1967. I don't know if the old guard can be reached. I don't know if the new guard, again, guaranteed long-term contracts, who don't know any other way, certainly Gonzalez and Crawford, because this was their first year, they don't know any other way with the Red Sox other than the country club that they just finished up in in 2011. So how are they going to like all of a sudden toe the line, no matter who is brought in? So, again, it is just a uh, a sorry, sorry state. I, it's just amazing. How, how did it get go this wrong so fast? And uh, as far as the sellout streak, apparently the longest in American sports, uh, 600 games or something like that. Uh, as Bob Prince, the Pirates announcer, used to say, I think we can kiss that goodbye. Uh, I can't imagine that there's going to be uh, much desire to pay up to, for a box seat, about $125 per when last I checked. Uh, so four tickets, $500, family of four, lunch, souvenir. Uh, Red Sox game these days is $700 a day. Uh, that's seriously pricey and one that Red Sox fans, including myself, uh, were willing to pay over the past eight-year run, which has been pretty spectacular. But, uh, again, never could this crash have ever been forecast by anybody to be so sudden and so quick and so historic in its nature. 
So I believe that, uh, you know, uh, the streak will be history next year. And uh, there is really genuine disgust up here in Boston where I'm based. Uh, I haven't seen anything quite like this again since really the 1985 Patriots aftermath. And, you know, I just don't know uh, where it's going to go. I mean, it just seems to have permeated throughout the clubhouse, even Tim Wakefield, who went for his 200th victory, uh, which should have been a joyous occasion. That became, uh, and Wakefield, by the way, by all accounts, is one of the good guys. Uh, but that became, you know, a gigantic distraction, as I think he had about seven starts before he finally uh, was able to nail down 200. And this was all the last three or four of those was, of course, occurring in September during the collapse. It became just... Uh, a tremendous weight on the team trying to get that done. And then uh, Wakefield came out and said that he thought that uh, the Red Sox should bring him back so he has a chance to break the all-time Red Sox wins record, which I believe is held by Cy Young, believe it or not. So, uh, again, you know, it's just uh, when it goes bad, it goes really bad. And, you know, when when... Tim Wakefield is being cited as a potential problem or, you know, debated as to whether or not you bring him back next year, then you know that, uh, you know, the problems are pretty deep-seated. And, oh, by the way, in case you hadn't heard, uh, but I'm sure you have, Theo Epstein, the GM, the architect of the two world championships, the hometown boy made good, uh, all of the above, the curse breaker, all the terms apply. Uh, the one who brought in all these free agents. Uh, he is leaving to go to the Chicago Cubs where he clearly has a chance at baseball immortality if he can be the one behind the Cubs finally uh, winning world championship after 100 plus years. And uh, so we shall see how that turns out. And uh, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Welcome to Inside the Trenches, everyone, an interactive show that is sweeping across the nation here on Voice America Sports, simply with your host, 12-year pro football veteran, yes, of course, the voice of America, R. Cal Trula. We're bringing it to you. The day starts at noon, and so does Inside the Trenches, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, bringing you the ins and outs, letting you know what's going on in and around sports and also in and around your neck of the woods. So if you want to be on the show and you want to be a part of the show, simply go to InsideTheTrenches.com and let's make this thing happen for you the interactive show that is sweeping across the nation inside the trenches your show do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air former philadelphia eagle james loving is your host and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot tune in to loving that sports talk with james loving every wednesday at noon pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Well, it's that time of the show when we often have guests join in us, and on the line is Nick Infante, founder and editor of College Athletic Clips. And welcome, Nick, and the only thing crazier maybe than uh, the Red Sox situation is the upside-down world of college conference realignment, so... I thought it was high time to have you back. How are you today? Thank you. Very good. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, I listened to your uh, recent segment there. And uh, I guess with uh, baseball uh, or the Red Sox in particular, you've got to just make a change at some point. So it's time for them. Um, for college athletics, the changes uh, are more than just one team or more than just one conference. And uh, it all started, I think, uh, 50 or 60 years ago. <laughs> with the Southwest Conference and the Big Eight and whatnot. But the more recent uh, changes uh, were initiated by that guy, uh, Larry Scott, uh, from the PAC. What was then the PAC-10 is now the PAC-12 and could very well become the PAC-14 and and 16. uh, And let me um, just quickly interject that I saw and heard Larry Scott speak at a conference near and dear to our heart, the Sports Business Journal, marketing conference this past last week in New York City. So with that said, he was fascinating, but I'll let you continue. I just thought you'd be interested to know that. You're right, and, and you, you know enough too, John. He's, he's different than the typical conference commissioner. He's a very media-savvy guy. Uh, he has none of this uh, history, or very little of the history of you know knowing people in college athletics, and, and that's not that's not a bad thing. I mean, sometimes you're beholden to people if you've known them for years. So he came in uh, uh, from, where was it, the uh, Women's uh, Tennis uh, Federation uh, and uh, um, had uh, negotiated a couple of TV deals for them and uh, took over a uh, kind of a sleepy conference that the Pac-10 was, and boy, they've really done very well. And the other conferences obviously took notice. Yes. Um, it's just been fascinating to watch them, and they, of course, were three hours removed, if you will, later in so many ways uh, from the East Coast media centers that you and I are both uh, perched in. And, you know, so often, you know, I mean, my memories growing up of, the back, of course, the Pac-10, I guess it might have been called then, uh, where, you know, you'd wake up... Uh, on Sunday morning, and there you wouldn't even get the scores. You might even get it in the Sunday afternoon, evening back in the day before you knew what USC and Stanford did at yep. 10 o'clock at a game that began at 10 p.m. Eastern time and ended at 1 a.m. Eastern time, and none of the papers would have it. And uh, But obviously it's a different world now, and he has brought them uh, a long, long way. So the, you know... The latest and greatest, I mean, speak, you know, we were talking about the Boston Globe. I was, of course, uh, 
And they also had a story about the Boston College AD, Gene DiFilippo, apologizing, apparently, for remarks having to do with ESPN and UConn. So, again, this story gets crazier and crazier. But anyway, Big East. I know you're a Big East veteran. They seem to be sort of the conference with the most to lose. They're literally their very existence. I know you've been to many, many basketball media days. I myself was at football media day a mere less than two months ago. Uh, what, what, what is happening in the Big East? Where do you see? Well, yeah, oh boy, it's, it's sad. Uh, and it was only a week or two ago, as you might recall, that the Big 12 uh, was the one that was really more on the hot seat. But now they're looking uh, pretty good that they claim to have uh, gone toward a more equitable uh, distribution of revenues. And now, uh, with this, uh, yeah, this, he even admitted to, uh, Gene, uh, DiFilippo did, uh, an ill feeling toward UConn. I remember, it wasn't that long ago. I remember when I first launched my site in 2003, and you remember, that was the big news when, uh, the oh, yes. <laughs> swooped in and, um, took BC <laughs> and they took, uh, Miami uh, and Virginia Tech, but it was the way that it happened, and um, I was not in the room, but I've heard from quite a few people that the way that Gene and or other people at Boston College um, made their exit was uh, was was a surprise to everyone else. They were supposedly making assurances that they were not going to go anywhere, and then they did go somewhere. They went to the ACC, and then later on you hear from uh, the people that did not go at that time, uh, Syracuse, Pitt, UConn, whoever else, Rutgers maybe, uh, that if they were in the same shoes as Gene DiFilippo, they would have done the same thing. So that's pretty evident that uh, you know they're admitting that uh, Gene did what he had to do. It was a business-like decision. And now, geez, we're eight years later. It's uh, it's long enough time that um, people, adults, uh, uh, athletic directors, presidents should be adults and do the right thing for their schools. And Gene didn't quite go all the way, as you saw by the, uh, his quote. He talked about New England being his turf. I love the quote. And, uh, you know, New England is mine. I'm paraphrasing now. But, uh, um, and, and all it takes is, uh, in the ACC, um, three no votes to keep a school out. And uh, BC was one of the no votes to extend an invitation to UConn. So UConn... Uh, is sitting there with a Big East with only six remaining football teams uh, in order to be considered a legitimate D1A or BCS conference. You need a minimum of eight football schools. So they're actively shopping around for two more schools, uh, uh, and uh, that's where they have to go far and wide. I could, you know, there are eight or nine schools listed uh, as possibilities, but it's, uh, uh, Air Force, Navy, Houston, um, you know, you keep going on the list, uh, Central Florida, et cetera, et cetera. And the UConn is, I mean, uh, the Big East is so unique in that it's so big, and it basically has the basketball uh, uh, half of it and then the football. And what, o- what else could happen is that the basketball-dominant schools like Villanova and Georgetown and uh, uh, DePaul and Providence, et cetera, they could just go off on their own with, uh, with a non-football Big East or whatever it would be called. 
And then if the uh, Big East is able to attract two or three more and not get raided anymore, uh, um, they, they might be able to stay uh, in it as a uh, viable, well, I take the word viable away, as a hanging by their fingers uh, D1A conference. So uh, that's the way it is today, but tomorrow might change. Absolutely, it is changing day by day, if not hour by hour. Well, I remember well when BC went to the ACC and the bitterness that existed, particularly between uh, Syracuse and UConn versus BC. Uh, I've heard stories that, you know, how passionate the uh, the feelings were back in those days. And, uh, you know, believe they're... Obviously, I think if you, you look at Gene's DeFilippo's quotes, uh, some of that's still lingering. I, I, I'm not surprised because I know for a fact, from at least from fans, it's still lingering. And uh, let me ask you this, Nick. Um, yep. As someone who has covered Army, Navy, I do a lot of military and sports writing, shall we say, the intersection of military and sports. Uh, what... What do you th- what do you make of you know the possibility of Army, Navy, and Air Force? I've heard all three names uh, potentially joining the Big East. Is that all sort of doable? Uh, do you see it as viable? I do see it as viable. I don't understand. Forgive me. I don't understand why Army is not in the mix. It's not considered to be right. in the mix. Either they've said no, or or they're not worthy, or whatever. But. Uh, I see it as viable. I, my son went to the Naval Academy and went to many Navy games, and they're a popular school. They draw nationally. They travel well, and so does uh, Air Force and Army. Um, it could Internationally, be nice. you might say. <laughs> yeah, there you go, internationally. Right. Uh, it could listen, be nice to have Their games are listened to across the globe and watched. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, um, it could be nice to have all three of them in, in the same uh, conference. And from what I've read, I read you know dozens dozens of articles on realignment every day, uh, and and most of it is yes speculation, but some of it is what I call uh, you know educated uh, speculation. There are many uh, writers out there who who do the old. Uh, you know, an unnamed source thing, so you know they're getting it from somewhere inside of one of the conferences. And, uh, yeah, they have talked uh, about it being pretty viable. Now, back to uh, Gene's uh, comments. The one name neither one of us have uh, mentioned yet was uh, is Jim Calhoun, who had a very strong uh, uh, comments about Boston College uh, back eight years ago, and he was stung so much that he said he would never play Boston College again, no matter what. That's a shame that these egos get carried away. Boston College and UConn are, well, were, great rivals, and and they could conceivably become good rivals again uh, in possibly the ACC, and you could have a nice northern outpost of of the ACC uh, with Syracuse and Pitt and um, UConn and and BC, and who knows, maybe in Rutgers, who who knows who's thinking about what. But ultimately, if any of that happens, or if all of it happens, it's, it just doesn't look good for a, a football version of uh, the Big East uh, you know, surviving. Uh, but if they get the Navy, like you say, in the Air Force, Central Florida, whoever, you know, I, I don't count them out at all. They're uh, resourceful, and they've been through this before. Oh, that's good to hear. I mean, I had a great time. I'm very impressed with Big East Media Day, Football Media Day, and 
Newport, Rhode Island, less than two months ago, early August, and uh, you know, made a lot of good contacts. I'd hate to see them, you know, go away. I, I really, you know, and I used to cover West Virginia football, uh, and you know, so I have a lot of history in the Big East myself, as like you and Rutgers was there, of course, they're in your backyard, and uh, you know, from where I'm sitting, it would seem like the home run would be if. They could land, you know, Army, Navy, and potentially Air Force, and uh, they that's the way they could potentially come out of this smelling like a rose. And uh, Nick will watch and wait and see. It's going to be fascinating. It's been fascinating. And unfortunately, we've come to the end of our segment, but your comments, as always, were just right on the money. And I just want to thank you for taking the time, and I'm going to have you check in as the smoke clears around this issue. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you, Nick, and once again, it's time for our break, and joining us next will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today, powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. The Sports Mavericks Show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks Show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And joining us on the line now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Barry, how are you today? I'm doing well, John. How are you? Good, good. And uh, I want to kick off our segment by uh, discussing something that I think you'll enjoy, uh, given our travels around the Northeast United States. Uh, so, I woke up Sunday morning after a family event. Uh, I was in Washington, D.C., and 
heading back to Boston for the day, a spectacularly beautiful day. So I left my hotel in D.C. Uh, about 10 a.m. Sunday morning with Redskins Radio for an hour or so. And they, of course, were in the bye week, but you would have never known it, it was Redskins talk all the way. Then, uh, then I got into the Baltimore zone and was listening to the Ravens radio as I literally drove right by the Ravens stadium. I could see it from my car. And they were in a bye week on Sunday. Of course, that was, uh, you know, it didn't feel like a bye week either the way they were going. So... Keep on going down 95, listen to the Ravens radio for an hour or two, and then I get into the Philadelphia zone and pick up the Philly stations heading up 95 as they're prepping to play uh, the Buffalo Bills, so a lot of excitement for that game, as we know, and then as I got into New Jersey, I started listening to the Giants, New York Giants pregame show as they were getting ready for... uh, their game, 1 o'clock Sunday against the Seahawks. and uh, What a great game that was, right? <laughs> absolutely, and not by accident, Barry. I, no. <laughs> I, I, I planned it this way. I literally <laughs> drove by the new MetLife Stadium at exactly, and I mean exactly, halftime. It was my first look at the stadium and a beautiful, glorious day with a game literally going on inside, but I... Flew by at 60 miles an hour with no traffic on the New Jersey Turnpike whatsoever. And so, you know, listen to the second half of that game, which was compelling. And then uh, I was switching back and forth with the New York Jets radio for the pregame for their huge game against the Patriots. Uh, by this time, I'm into Connecticut. And so I listened to the first half of that game. Uh, on the New York Jets radio network, and then uh, made my way into uh, uh, northern Connecticut, Rhode Island, and picked up the Patriots radio for the second half. And by the time the game ended, I was literally taking the back roads off 95, right by the stadium, within two minutes of the stadium, but yet no traffic on these little country bumpkin roads, because I was 15 minutes from my house. And uh, anyway, it was a, a really unique fun, different way for me to spend an NFL Sunday. Obviously, under anything, any normal circumstances, I would have been at the Jets-Patriots game, but I got to tell you, I loved it. Uh, I just you know, I just loved it. Like it was a 10-hour drive, but it was just fabulous. Yeah, it sounds like you had your own personal uh, NFL red zone thing going there. That's, uh, that's, that's quite a way to spend the day. Um, it was radio you know, red yeah. zone, we'll call it. It was Radio Red Zone, and I loved it. And uh, it was really, again, just for me, a very, very unique experience. And uh, and it, it was just great. And I, again, I, as someone, I I know that you are someone who drives up and down the Northeast Coast often, like myself. And uh, I knew you would enjoy that. So. With all that said, I, I think we should probably jump right into what by many was considered the game of the week, which was Patriots-Jets. What were your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, being, being in New York, uh, you know, most of, my, most of the time, uh, you know, we, you know and, and, when, and with our conversations here, I know we, we normally have a very kind of New York-Boston-Axis-centric uh, show. Um, that said, you know, I, I think with the Jets, you know, I, I think we're kind of at the point where, you know, you know, we've been listening to them talk for so long. I mean, talking about winning a Super Bowl, talking about winning championships, talking about this, talking about that. You know, at some point, you, you, you have to stop talking and start playing. And, you know, there, 
you know, you look up and they're two and three, and things aren't going well for them on either side of the ball. They can't stop anybody. They can't. They, they can't get a running game going. Uh, they're having difficulty. It was just about everything these days, and. You know, uh, I think Rex Ryan is kind of on the verge of, of becoming somewhat of a of, of a laughing stock, shall we say? And you know, that isn't that, that, that people are starting to kind of tire of the act. And, you know, uh, again, at some point you have you have to actually start producing and, and, and winning games. Uh, as far as the Patriots go, you know, this this was not unexpected. I mean, you know, I, I expected the Patriots to, to come out the way they did, and. And, you know, I think we spoke about this last week. You know, I think we said that, you know, that it would be a good game for the most part. Yeah, I think that maybe it wasn't quite as close as I thought it might be. I think that, uh, you know, the Patriots came out. They, they you know, kind of took it to the chest, and they were never really in any danger at any point during the game, I didn't think. And, um, you know, they were... They were in control, and, you know, West Welker's had a fantastic season, and he's been money. The Patriots' offense is money, and, you know, really, they didn't... The only surprise was I really did think it would be closer, but these look to be two teams going in opposite directions, and, you know, the Patriots certainly playing to their level, and the Jets are playing uh, well below their uh, self-professed level, I think. Yes, well, that was, uh, again, you know... The most interesting part of that game to me was the Patriots running game and more importantly how when they needed to run the ball to finish off the game with the final drive. That's exactly what they did. It feels like it has been a long, long time since the Patriot team has finished a game like that against a, a great defense built to stop the run. And again, the Patriots running game never, not the first thing you think of when you think of their offense, obviously. And, uh, so I thought that was pretty unique, pretty interesting for the Patriots to uh, to finish the game that way. But I could tell your reaction to my uh, discussion of my drive uh, regarding the Giants-Seahawks game. I was immersed in that game for from start to finish and a little before and uh, as well, the pregame. And that was a shocker. Yeah, I think I think it it sounds like you were more immersed in the game than the Giants were. Unfortunately, um, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, you know, watch, watch, you're watching that game. Uh, I was shocked that uh, shocked at a couple of things. Shocked that number one, the way that the, the Giants performed, and number two, shocked that it was even a game at halftime. I mean, the Giants really were were extremely fortunate to be tied in the game at halftime, and they they deserved to be down by three touchdowns. They were completely unprepared, outplayed, out whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, you just you can't incessantly turn the ball over inside your own 30. And they did numerous times and expect to win. You just can't do it. And, you know, they acknowledge that they, they, they had problems with the ball. Uh, you know, the offense didn't pick up their end of the bargain. You know, uh, Eli was shaky. Uh, you know, you, you, I, I think you blame the offense more than the defense because the offense was the one that they were the ones, the unit that kept turning the ball over. And you know, and you keep putting the defense in, in, in the precarious situations, it, it, it usually doesn't end well. And then that was the case. And and even even down the stretch, the Giants had a chance. You know, they did go ahead toward the end of the game. Uh, and then you know, you, you, if if you're you know if you're a serious team, you can't let uh, Charlie Whitehurst uh, engineer an 80-yard drive uh, in however many however that took. It seemed like it took about a minute and a half, but it was a little longer than that. But uh, you get my point. And, you know, then the Giants coming down for the, you know, trying to drop for the winning score and look like they were going to do it. 
and then uh, Victor Cruz flips out of his route, ball tips, pick six. You know that happens. You know, but you, 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 I'm not going to bang on Victor Cruz, but you know the fact that they were it never going to come down to that, and the Giants just and they and they know they know they played a bad game, and Tom Coughlin said they played a bad game, and uh, you know uh, they, they've got to write this. The Giants and Jets are both in a position; they both have to write the ship, and both have to do it pretty quickly. Absolutely, and something that uh, you know is always a factor when I think of you know West Coast teams coming east to play a one o'clock game on a Sunday afternoon. Usually tricky, sometimes almost unwinnable, and the teams—the two teams that I think of—is never having, rarely having much success there. It's Seattle and the Arizona Cardinals. They just do not have a good track record on this stuff, and so that to me was, you know, uh, doubly shocking. But uh, you know, just sticking with the Northeast teams uh, that I was involved with, listening to on Sunday, uh, Eagles losing to the Bills. Uh, what is going on in Philadelphia? Well, you know, they, it's, it's funny, you know, they talk about the, and, and, you know, the funny thing is with the Eagles, I don't think, you know, the whole dream team stuff, I, I think that was more of, of a buildup by, you know, by the media and by observers. You know, I don't recall them being, having the, 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 the swagger the Jets did, but, you know, certainly when you go out and sign the kind of guys they had, that they, they did, you know, awesome at all, et cetera, um, you know, a lot more was obviously expected, but, you know, the Eagles have had an issue, uh, you know, in the Andy Reid era. When you think about it, when you really look at at how games go down and how games end, they've always seemed to have problems with clock management, and that bit them again, uh, again and again and again. At the end of the first half uh, last Sunday, it bit them. And let's face it, you know, the Bills are not they're not are, are you're not your older brother's Bills anymore. I mean, these these, these guys are turning things around. You have. Uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, out of Harvard is, is playing, playing great. Uh, the Bills seem to be, you know, really put in together a lot of good young receivers. Uh, Stevie Johnson's been terrific. And, you know, they're a force to review a record with. You know, I think the Giants can lose to the Bills this week. I really do. Uh, as far as the Eagles go, uh, they're certainly in desperation mode. You know, certainly nobody in their wildest dreams or nightmares, if you're an Eagle fan, expected them to, you know, be one and four out of the gates. I mean, uh, uh, there's a, uh, one of my coworkers. At the New York Post is a Philly guy, and uh, you know I was very gentle with him this week because uh, you know with the Phillies being gone and the Eagles being off to a slow start, his words was "I'm out, I'm done." So you know that 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 says a lot. So uh, yeah, it's it's certainly uh, you know uh, certainly a desperation for Philly, I think. Well, I agree, and uh, one of my uh, as we head towards break, one of my favorite headlines in recent memory. And you and I are two people who certainly appreciate headlines. Uh, one of the Philadelphia newspapers had a screaming headline, Worst Weekend Ever, which I just thought was fabulous between, you know, it was one thing the Phillies going down, but to have, you know, Ryan Howard tear his Achilles tendon in a, using a football term, non-contact injury, uh, as he's getting out of the box with the final out of the season, mm-hmm. to see him, you know, when the when the second baseman fielded that ball uh, for the Cardinals, and all of a sudden, you, you know, Howard wasn't in the picture, but you didn't know why. He wasn't even thinking that he was about to throw it, and then he just sort of strolled over and kind of underhanded it, a la Keith Folk, to end the 2004 World Series. And I was like, why is he doing that? And then they, of course, show Howard 
uh, writhing in pain on the ground near the batter's box, and it was just a absolutely crazy way to end. Uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, were, they were the favorites, and yeah. so that was shocking. And then, of course, the Eagles. We just discussed them. So uh, times are tough in Philadelphia, but. Uh, and maybe we'll get into a little baseball when we get back from our break, Barry. So it is that time. And uh, fortunately, you're going to stick around with us for another segment. And uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Absolutely. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Play ball! If you're looking to talk baseball, even in the offseason, look no further than the King's Corner Talking Baseball with former World Series champion Jim Lairitz. Jim's known for a rather controversial stance during his show. He's brutally honest and ready to talk with current and former players, owners, and other key figures to bring you baseball from an insider's view. You won't want to miss a single episode. The King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Lairitz is heard every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line is Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, in the previous segment, we uh, talked a lot of football, but touched on the end with the Phillies uh, and the uh, macabre way in which their season ended, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, um, So, you know... It's hard to believe that, uh, you know, the Phillies, clearly the, the favorites, along with the Red Sox and the Yankees, uh, they're all sitting at home while uh, the other four teams are playing and, you know, are, are drawing, frankly, record low ratings, uh, by the way. So what are your thoughts on the baseball playoffs as we've, uh, you know, as we moved into the LCS times? Well, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's just getting back to the, to the Phillies for a second. Um you know, it's funny when you were talking about how you know the the, the last play went down in the in the, in the Phillies Cardinals game. Um, you know, watching Ryan Howard you know hit the ball, you know, and watching the the, the reaction of the infielders, you almost thought my, my first reaction watching that was, oh my god, I can't believe he's not even running that out. Oh, what a dog! And then you know you realize that you know right after that you realize, oh, he's hurt. What happened to him? He twisted his ankle. Something happened. 
but to to have like the kind of the double whammy of being eliminated from the postseason, you know, with all the high expectations and a debilitating, you know, and this this could be a frightening, frightening injury, uh, Achilles injury. He could be out six months. He might miss a good part of next season. They, they just don't know yet. And what a what a horrible way for things to end in Philly. Um, you know, uh, you know, Yankees. You know, so again, so much expected of them, and uh, and they went down. You know, the 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 offense was non-existent uh, for them against the Tigers. Now they're watching the Red Sox might be making the playoffs. You know, and and you know all the. All the drama this week with with with, with, with the Red Sox and you know the uh, Epstein going to the Cubs, to Terry Francona being fired, and of course the the, the big story uh, earlier in the week out of Boston about how uh, how the, you have three key pitchers you know hanging out in the clubhouse, you know, eating fried chicken and playing video games and and drinking beer during games. You know, it's it, it's it was quite an indictment, and you know, and, and honestly. Who would have thought this? I mean, you know, John being a Boston guy here, chew on this for a second. You know, that for a segue from fried chicken. Chew on this for a second. You know, in the I middle like of, that. On the middle of August, I thought you would. In the middle of August, you know, when, when with the Red Sox sitting on top of the world, could anyone have imagined that two months later uh, they would be, they would not make the playoffs, that their manager would be fired, uh, Terry Francona, and that their GM who built that team would be gone uh, to all places, uh, taking over the Chicago Cubs. I mean, it, 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 and there's a trifecta for you, and I bet nobody had that one. So, you know, it, it, it's mind-boggling uh, how extensive the collapse in Boston has been, and it, just, just, just from observing it, it's been, it, it's, you talk about theater, you talk about reality TV. I mean, it, this is better than the Kardashians. I mean, it, this is stuff that, you know, nobody would have even had, had a thought of months ago, right? Truth is stranger than fiction. I always say it at the top of the show. I said, you know, you can't make this stuff up. One of my favorite lines. And boy, right. this is what really can't make this one up. Uh, well, Barry, if John Henry uh, wrote you a blank check and handed it to you and said, fix it, what would you do? Wow. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a tough that's question. A, it's a very tough question because the problem is you got a lot of guys that make money. That make too much money. I mean, you know, first of all, you have to figure out, you know, who the malcontents are, who the guys you, you want to hold on to, who are the guys that you want to, you know, see what you can get something for. The problem is, you know, you, you, uh, you know I, I think that uh, Carl Crawford has kind of become the poster boy for, uh, you know, the, the, the collapse up there. But, you know, in truth, you can't – he's untradeable. He makes too much money. They, they overpaid him. He makes too much money. Um, you know, Dice case still has a year left on his contract. Um, you know, Euclid is banged up. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I mean, it's it, it, it's kind of tough. I mean, you got to kind of start to you know, monitor the free agents that are out there, and you know, what, what, what needs to be fixed. I mean, it's not a bad team. I don't think the team is the issue. I think the issue is, you know, they got to get their heads on straight. I mean, th- I mean, the talent's there. The ta- the ability's there. Uh, the professionalism. And the methodology and the way that they handle this down the street, that's what really needs to be addressed. You know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they were getting Tito out at the end. You know, maybe they needed a change. Maybe, you know, sometimes, sometimes you need to change at the top. And, you know, Francona, by his own admission, I think said, you know what, maybe it's, maybe it's time to move on. And, you know, when that story that was in the Globe this week, you know, uh, mentioned for the first time that, you know, uh, Francona, you know, uh, possibly affected by marital 
was possibly affected by, you know, painkillers he was taking for his knee surgeries, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all, you know, maybe either of those are huge factors, but you factor everything in, you know, maybe it is time for a change. And obviously, you know, for, for CU Epstein to feel that it's time for, and, you know, that, that speaks volume. So it's, it's going to be very difficult. Um, but I think that, I think the most difficult part for them will be finding a, you know, a manager and now finding a general manager. So, you know, you, that's where it has to start. I mean, the, 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 the issues on the field that we'll have to wait until those two issues are cleared up. And once those are, I, I think you have to kind of look at what you have, see what, what worked for you most of, most of the season and see how you, uh, how you remedy what happened down the stretch. And, you know, I, I would have to think that, uh, Maybe you ban video games from the clubhouse, or maybe banning beer from the clubhouse. That might that might be a start. I don't know, but you know, you like to think these guys are professional enough, whereas like that wouldn't become an issue. And I think if uh, the season had ended the way it began, you know, we wouldn't even be talking about these things. Now we'd be talking about the Red Sox and the ALCS, maybe against the Yankees. So you know, uh, like like we say, truth is stranger than fiction. Things happen in in odd ways, and uh, we'll have. To that the uh, that shake they're gonna have a all winter to think about it. Yeah, and it's worth noting, you know, and I'm certainly not excusing it, but you know, eating eating fast food, drinking beer, playing video games, all three of none of those three things are quote against the rules in the clubhouse. The thought that any players would ever carry it to the degree of actually doing any one, let alone all three during a game, even though they weren't scheduled to pitch that on that day, is uh, incomprehensible for all of us, obviously. To me, the key is going to be, you know, Carl Crawford and Adrian Gonzalez, the two high-priced free agents, the two most talented. Can they or can they not be leaders? I mean, I'm sitting here looking at these two guys thinking, you know, they come in this year, first year with the Red Sox, and this was their experience. I'll be kind here and say neither covered themselves in glory as the ship went down, and that's being very, very, very kind to both of them. And uh, do they have it in them to somehow show up at Fort Myers next spring uh, with that talent that they both have uh, to show up and ready to be leaders and, you, you know, lead, you know, listen to the new manager, whoever he is, and basically do they have the self-pride, the motivation, the desire? They're both sitting on awesome long-term contracts worth well over $100 million for both of them. Uh, to me, those two are the key. And if I'm the guy trying to fix it, I do whatever it takes to sit down and get to the bottom of that question you know what are these two guys made of because i think that is their only possible hope for any short-term fix to this I, I i don't think there is you know if it's not if it's just these guys come in uh crawford and gonzalez think you know treat years going forward especially 2012 like they did this past year i i, I just can't imagine you know if we learned one thing this past year it's that you know uh there's, you know, sheep. There, there are sheep in every clubhouse that will fall in behind the so-called leaders, and those leaders can be from talent, from money, from whatever. And it's just a matter of, uh, you know, will they or will they not uh, 
you know, rise to the occasion. And then if they do, then possibly the rest of the team, in you know, in conjunction with Pedroia, potentially Ellsbury, but the key is Pedroia, I believe. Right. Um, maybe they have a shot, but you know, that that's some pretty far-fetched stuff. I don't know what Gonzalez and Crawford are made of. I, I just, I, none of us do. Well, here's uh, the, the thing fir- about The that. first sampling wasn't very good, put it that way. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that for the most part, I mean, I think Gonzalez for the most part had a great season, but yes, you're right. I mean, guys are judged by how they how they conduct themselves and how they play down the stretch. Uh, and the, the, the thing about what you just said, the issue with that is, well, I don't know. I don't know if you can really expect a guy like Crawford or a guy like Gonzalez to be be a, a quote leader because I don't think either of these guys have been. I mean, Crawford has not been. I mean, in, in his uh, young career, and Gonzalez coming from San Diego. I mean, really. You know, uh, those of us on the East Coast, you know, never really got to see him play because, you know, we don't really watch the Padres. But, you know, you know do they have what it takes? I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you that, that that remains to be seen. But the, the point is, I don't know if these guys are really expected to be leaders, quote, leaders in the first place. I mean, I think you have to look at a guy like Pedroia. You have to look at a guy like uh, Ellsbury. Uh, you know, Eucalyptus, if he's healthy. You know, I think these are the guys that you look to to say, okay, how do we, how do we make this better? How do we not, uh, you know, and it's almost like, like a management skill in a way, isn't it? I mean, you know. Yeah, well, we'll, well, we'll find out, Barry. And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's hard to believe we've come to the end of the show, and it will be, it will be fascinating to watch. And my pick of the weekend is going to be the two up-and-coming teams of the NFL, 49ers versus Detroit Lions. And with that said, uh, I want to thank you, Voice America, for listening again to All Around Sports. Have a great weekend, and we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.